1: This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. This is not an emergency episode of Recode Media, but it is a timely one because Elon Musk is in the news and he's making me scratch my head a lot because I can't quite figure him out and I'm looking for someone who can help explain Elon Musk. So I'm turning to the expert. He works at Bloomberg. He's Ashley Vance. The reason I'm having Ashley on specifically is that Ashley has written a really, really comprehensive biography. It's called Elon Musk. Welcome. Thank
0: you so much.
1: I wanna go into Elon Musk's history and then do some compare and contrast. Um, but first, let me just start with this question. I wish to should give the title of your book, your full title here. It's Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the quest for a fantastic future. He published it in 2015 after years of reporting. You spent, uh, talked to hundreds of people, you talked to Elon Musk extensively. Is the Elon Musk that we're seeing now in 2022, who really seems to be struggling with, with this Twitter acquisition, do you recognize him? Is this the same person you wrote about seven years ago? I'd
0: say yes and no. Um, <laughs> you know, Elon went through an interesting change it, when I was doing the reporting for my book. You would you would hear all these stories about some of the more extreme bits of his behavior at uh, Tesla or SpaceX or with his circle of friends and just people who knew him pretty well. But you know the this this sort of sort of darker other side of elon was kind of contained to those spheres you know he he wasn't quite as active on twitter for a long time and and um he, he didn't really let what i call bad elon out um you know and then i think we've all seen i can't remember the exact date but somewhere around like 3 years ago i think we got the full elon both good and bad out on twitter in full display and you know it's kind of that guy who's who's taken over twitter and is managing it and and so we're getting kind of this front row seat the version of elon who exists today you know i do think some of these elements were always there but he's he's a bit more extreme than the the guy i was covering <laughs>
1: I have not reported on Elon Musk in the past. Um, the you know, Code Conference would have him on stage a bunch of times, and I'd follow him from afar. And I knew that he built these companies. I knew that he made his money in PayPal. I knew he was eccentric and enjoyed the spotlight and enjoyed being famously sort of the model for. Tony Stark from Iron Man. And I've been in rooms with hundreds of really accomplished technology people who just swooned for him. And it's very hard for me to reconcile that perception of Elon Musk with a guy who, beyond just tweeting weirdly, he, he just seems like he's made a colossal mistake and doesn't know how to get out of it. And that's also part of the biography I'm a little bit familiar with, which is He has gotten close to the edge. He has gotten near bankruptcy. He has done things in the past that people told him were a terrible idea and it hasn't worked out. And I guess I'm really just asking the same question, whether you think, oh, he's been he's done versions of this in the past and that's why he's confident it's going to work out this time or there's something truly different happening. It's one thing to sort of spout off on Twitter. It's another thing to buy it for forty four billion dollars and then not really seem to have a sense of what to do with it.
0: Yeah, I think there's two sides to this. You know, I, I think the chaos that we see unfolding at Twitter and and that people are reacting to, I don't think that really frightens Elon. I mean, Tesla and SpaceX have been on the verge of bankruptcy. They've been in in sort of life and death struggles most of their existence, and, and that's kind of like where he, he seems to exist. Every time those companies got to like a stable point he would just immediately go all in and risk the entire company on on the next new venture and so you know i think i've always thought of him as like the biggest gambler highest risk taker you can you can find i think twitter is a different and unique challenge you know this is this is not something where you're building a rocket or a car, and you can marshal tons of troops to push towards this goal. There's there's part of this that it takes a a sense of like consumers' tastes, of society's tastes. Of if this company is really gonna make more money, it has to get bigger, and it has to have another like a, a hit. You know, we we've seen the hit, which is that it's this place where everybody gathers to to chat, but that, that hasn't paid enough of the bills. And so this is where you start getting into kind of a territory where we just don't know. There's, there's not a lot of evidence that Elon's necessarily good at reading these kinds of signals. And, and it takes a bit of luck. Like think about Microsoft or Google or Facebook, you know, even these giant companies often are kind of one trick ponies and Twitter's had its trick. And so kind of like, what's next? And is Elon really the guy who's going to figure that out?
1: So let's come back to Twitter, but let's, let's talk a little bit about Elon Musk. We don't have time to do a full biography and, and you've written, one. people should go read it, but, but give us a sense of sort of how Elon got to where he is today. Some of this will be old news for some folks, but so we'll try to go quickly, but where, where did he first make it in tech?
0: Yeah, you, you know, if you go back to kind of the dawn of the consumer internet around 1995-ish, he had this company, Zip2, which was really, you could think of it as a way to get... um businesses out in the real world who, who didn't really know what the internet was onto the internet. So if you were a dentist or a florist or a car dealer, they helped you kind of have an online presence. That company did well. It got bought for about $400 million. So a lot of these companies at right. the time
1: helping small companies get onto the internet, building websites, helping them get into a directory, all this stuff that is pretty simple now wasn't then.
0: And also, publishers—they—they they were a big user of this service because companies like the New York Times didn't really know what to do with the internet either. And this was kind of like a, almost like an online classified or directory that they could they could borrow and put on their site. And so, you know, to that extent, look—I mean, he read what was happening with the internet and, and capitalized on it.
1: In that first internet era, there were a lot of people who weren't super, there were people who were technologically very smart, but there were a lot of them just knew a little bit more about computers than somebody else. And so you could create a company that could help build a website. I knew lots of people like that and a lot of them did very well. Did, did Elon bring particular technical acumen to this? Was it right time, right place, something in the middle?
0: Was a little something in the middle it was it was quite mercenary you know he and his brother kimball really just sat down and were like this internet thing's exploding what, what do we do to take advantage of that elon dropped out of school um to go chase this and and so it was, it was sort of seizing the moment but also it was this was like door-to-door salesmanship and so i think this went to Elon's strength, which is hustle and being relentless and, and getting out there and, and talking his way into making the business a success. It should be noted, you know, I mean, he was owner and CEO of that company and and was removed towards the ends of, end of it as CEO because of conflicts about its its direction. So this is something that will repeat itself when we get to, to PayPal. <laughs> yeah, so he, ma- he
1: makes money. He has one of the early internet wins. There's a bunch of those guys and some of them just took their money and went home or maybe they tried to do a second act but they didn't get a second act his second act was PayPal how did that come about
0: well this is this is classic Elon so they sold the company the zip 2 for about 400 million Elon got roughly 30 million from that sale bought a fancy car a little bit of a nicer apartment and then immediately sunk all the rest of the money in into what was x.com at the time and which became PayPal and so this is Elon risking everything immediately to go do a new company.
1: And one of the things you'll hear lobbed at him as a critique is Tesla wasn't his company. It's something he glommed on to. PayPal was the same way. What's the truth of that and, and how much of it is relevant?
0: Well, on PayPal, PayPal was this mix of two companies, X.com, which was definitely Elon's and Confinity, which was Peter Thiel and, and a couple other people. And they sort of merged, you know, the, the company that... The paypal that became a success and got acquired peter Thiel was running that same thing there was a coup elon got thrown out as ceo and then the company was sold for a couple billion dollars and, and elon made a ton of money on you know spacex without question as 100 elon force of will would not exist without him tesla even though Elon denies this to this day, was a company before he uh, before he started it. Um, I do, you know, this is one of those things where you could argue forever. I am 100% sure Tesla would not exist today if Elon had not been the largest shareholder and taken it over. But, you know, other people founded
1: the company. So the, f- the founder who gets... Who gets pushed out once his company gets to a certain size? Pretty common narrative in Silicon Valley. Um, doesn't mean it's not hurtful. Steve Jobs was pushed out of his own company, and in the way the story is told, like that, you know, then he went off into the wilderness and came back. And partly the lessons he learned uh, that that led to him being pushed out of Apple so supposedly made him a better manager when he came back. What what is starting to starting two successful companies that make you uh dynastically rich but also being pushed out of them. What does that do to Elon Psyche?
0: Well it it taught him that any new venture he started he wanted to be the majority owner of to make getting thrown out as CEO as close to impossible as he could. Uh it certainly did not color his change his his risk tolerance. If anything he gets he gets emboldened and and risks ever more as he goes. But that was the that was the biggest thing. He never wanted to lose control of Tesla or SpaceX.
1: So in his mind, did he make mistakes that led to him getting pushed out? Or it's simply my mistake was not having control of the company?
0: Definitely the latter <laughs> of the former. You know, when we would talk, he would say, yes, I was I was a little rough on people. You know, Part of the reason he had these big fights was that he was very hard on employees to the point that... Um, it was demoralizing to the workforce. The other w- was strategic, you know, in both cases was Zip2 and PayPal. Elon wanted to go bigger and bigger and take more risks. And, and the other people on the board and executives wanted to focus on what was making money and, and just do that
1: for a while. So he has two successful internet companies and then starts a space space company invests himself into an electric car company later uh, gets into solar why does he move from the internet into other kinds of technology
0: you know as the story goes i mean he's he's after paypal he's got all this money and he's kind of he's a little bit lost he's moved from silicon valley to la he's kind of enjoying a little bit of celebrity but he doesn't know what to do next um you know he says and i this i think checks out from everybody i've talked to he he became really despondent at, at the lack of progress nasa was making on on sort of deeper space missions and and getting to mars and he'd had a long interest in electric cars and people had been coming to him to present opportunities for investment in that space and so just is it's almost on a whim but the, like these are things that were floating about in his head for a long time but it was sort of just a, a series of events and people coming to him that he decides he's going to put all of his money into the two worst things you could put all of your money into.
1: I want to tease out that mindset is that let's try it. It's a huge bet. Odds are I'll, I'll lose. If I win, it's an enormous win and that's the thrill. How, how much of it is that? How much of it is I am so smart that even though my first two successes were on the internet, my raw brain power and ambition will allow me to succeed at two vastly different industries.
0: I feel like he is the richest man in the world now, and i there's no question he enjoys the trappings that come with his money. I really do not believe that at that point in his life, he was motivated by money. And I think he thought those ventures probably were likely to fail. Although to your latter point, you know, he says that all the time, but I I think Elon thinks he cannot fail. And he, if there's anything Elon believes in it's himself. And, and I think, yeah, I think he looked out at two, markets that he thought should be better and thought he was the guy who could fix all these problems.
1: Does he get off on the idea that people are telling him that what he's doing is a terrible idea? I see him tweeting this now. It's like, oh, yeah. you got, you t- you told me I couldn't do this when I moved into cars because I was an internet guy. And now you're saying that I'm a car guy, not an internet guy. And this is, I've, I've heard all this before. It sounds to me playing fake psychologist that he part of, he, he, he enjoys being doubted in this way.
0: Yeah. I mean, the best, most classic example of this is that throughout much of its history, Tesla has been the most shorted stock <laughs> at various mm-hmm. stages. And Elon has just reveled in that. And sort That's of investors told everyone, betting
1: against him, saying, We think you're betting
0: against, fail. against Tesla. You know, we're talking like a decade, it was like the most shorted stock. And, and Elon just reveled in all this and was like, I'm going to show you guys, you know. You're either with me or against me. And and he's, you know, he's got his enemies list without doubt.
1: What was his conception of himself at the time? I was reading a review of your book uh, on the way in, um, comparing him to Steve Jobs and Henry Ford and Andrew Carnegie and Rockefeller. Did he imagine that he is their peer? Or was he thinking, if I can pull this off, I could be considered one of the great men of of modern time? He's evolved
0: a lot. And I think a lot of the discussion i see taking place right now online i i find that it's 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 really simple and sort of basic i mean he's become this almost binary figure either you think he's a god or you think he's a demon you know and and um it's so much more complicated than that the this is a guy who when he was starting zip2 and paypal he was confident in that he's always thought he's very bright and has skills but this was like a a guy who was a loner as a kid he, he you know he was full of self-doubt he was not this this iron man figure at all and and he got into these businesses for a long time they did incredibly bad and were really struggling and i think that was a bit of a blow to his confidence what i've seen over the years is that it just builds and builds and builds to the point that now you have this guy who seems supremely confident who loves the attention who seems kind of comfortable very comfortable in the spotlight so this is like a this is an evolution i mean it's probably hard for people to imagine given the way elon displays himself online i mean this was uh This was a much quieter, shyer,
1: um, (laughs) self-doubting person. We'll be right back with Ashley Vance, but first, a word from a sponsor. And we're back. When I first became sort of aware of him, he was the Tesla guy, but he was also talking about moving humanity to Mars and or saving humanity, and that was part of the push for electric cars, and, and, and SpaceX worked together that way, and I always thought, well, this is fun. For him to say and maybe he thinks it and it makes for fun questions at conferences but you know it doesn't really matter he's either going to make a successful car company or a rocket ship company or, or not how much of that sort of philosopher king stuff when, when did that was it was that always there was that something he's he's warmed to over time and do you think he really believes it that he's really sort of using a galaxy brain to like save the world
0: think He does believe it. Like the the origin story of all this is is tough because if you look at if you look at Zip2 and PayPal, I mean, there's really no similar indication. I mean, maybe PayPal could have been this global financial system that modernized our economy, which is great, but there was no saving the human species element to that by allowing Uh, you to
1: buy something on eBay.
0: Right, right, and then you know he hits this point with SpaceX. Where from day one, the mission was to get to Mars. You know, originally this was not meant to be a huge rocket company. It was was meant to be a publicity experiment where we sent a plant to Mars inside of a case and there was like video of it growing on Mars and this was just supposed to inspire people and Elon was going to pay for the mission. And, you know, along the way... Things got so expensive that he's just like, screw it. I'm going to build my own rocket, you know, and, and do this cheaper. All this stuff costs too much. And and somewhere in there, you know, he has a unique brain. He's talked about having Asperger's on Saturday Night Live. You know, I'm not an expert in that field, but I, I do think there is this part of him that's perhaps different than than. Your neurotypical humans, where he fixates on these goals and really does believe them. I think he, you know, I fully believe that he wants to set a human colony on Mars, and this is kind of his driving. It it is for real. That's not stick. I I think it's it's hundred percent real to me. And if you hindsight is makes things (laughs) so easy, but you know, if you go back to say. 2006 or 2007 um the absolute worst thing you could do if you had 200 million dollars was invest in an electric car company and a rocket company i mean you almost definitely were going to lose all your money so the the dude took a risk that Mm -hmm. that i don't think there's what like five people on the planet that would have done something like that i mean if you had 200 million dollars would you do that
1: (laughs) nope and i also wouldn't no matter what degree of risk I took on, I wouldn't court failure as often as he does. And uh, he mentioned in, a, in all hands at Twitter last week that, you know, if things didn't improve, maybe there'd be bankruptcy. A lot of people rightly are freaked out about that. But a lot of folks have said, look, he's talked about that in the past with Tesla and SpaceX. And it seems like that's a mix of real concern at his previous com- at existing companies. And also maybe something he's using motivationally. We're, we're Tell us about that. Yeah,
0: it's a motivation tactic for sure. We, we've seen him do this during, especially Tesla's most dire moments. He brings up this, you know, this company's going to be gone in a few months. And you think don't...
1: he's saying that to motivate his workers?
0: He definitely does it to motivate the workers. Often it, it has been true. You know, I mean, Tesla, SpaceX is oddly the riskiest venture you could possibly do, but has been the most stable of all his companies. Tesla you has been close to death many times. And and I think Elon's been pretty serious about these moments. It's often when they need X number of sales to hit the quarter in order to pay the rest of the bills. And and he gets this, this push from people.
1: And so that it's not, it's not, we're near bankruptcy. I'm going to go take on a risky loan. It's we're near bankruptcy. You guys need to work harder, make better cars faster.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Almost always. And then, and then also, you know, Usually, what this gets accompanied by is some sort of broad proclamation about a wonderful technology that's coming in the future, right? It's sort of like the company's dying, but there's this bright, awesome thing that we're heading towards, and you should, you guys should all, not only the employees, but all the investors and everyone should care because of that. We're heading somewhere great.
1: I think if 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 you follow Tesla, you know this, but um, you might be surprised other folks that he frequently says, I'm coming up with this new whatever. It's going to be great, whether it's a self-driving car or a truck or whatever it is, and then they don't materialize or they take years later. Do you think he's intentionally floating things that he knows won't show up when they're supposed to show up? Or does he honestly believe when he says there's going to be a self-driving car X number of years from now that that's going to happen?
0: Like in his head, he sets these deadlines and, and I he sort of like expects people to hit them, even though nobody else does. It's actually been this really effective tool, it seems, for, for getting stuff done. The, but there is another, there's certainly the showman part of Elon where it's interesting, right? Because he'll even have where Tesla is in dire straits and he announces something fantastic for spacex and it has this knock-on effect of of like the the elon afterglow where then the tesla investors send shares of tesla higher because of something spacex is doing you know there's this whole package of sort of you're kind of like buying into elon right and this 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 almost culty vision and and he uh so he finds different moments to tap those things. The he gets knocked all the time for the deadline stuff. I do think in his head, for most of that, he just sort of expects people to hit the, hit these
1: dates. And so, is he bummed out when he says, "I'm going to build an autonomous robot, and the next number of years, and then some time comes by, and it's the robot doesn't exist"? Or you know,
0: I'm sure he's furious, but this has happened so many times. It's just it's sort of like standard operating mm-hmm. procedure. You know, I I. I remember I was talking to some Tesla employees when I was doing my book and I was like, well, Elon wants the car to drive from, he says, you know, Los Angeles to New York on a single charge. And then but then if we obviously that's not going to happen, but we try. And then if we get from like L.A. to New Mexico, it's a huge win. You
1: know, (laughs) what's it like to work for Elon and have to go back to him and say you know how you want to get this car from LA to New York on a single charge? We can, we can do, you know, Calabasas or whatever it is. Um, do, do you have to draw a short straw to figure out who's got to bring that news? And does that person come back to the room or is he saying, keep yeah, making an effort. I appreciate it.
0: I mean, it, it's a brutal and awful place to be. There's, there's sort of like an operating strategy for the employees. I think where you, you like kind of want to be in Elon's orbit because you're working on interesting stuff, but you don't want to be in there too often where you're in the room when the bad news is getting handed out. Um, it's again this weird dichotomy between Tesla and SpaceX. If we look historically, you know, SpaceX actually has lots of the top executives have been there for most of the company's history and delivered tons of bad news to Elon, but they You know, he sort of expects you just to take some abuse and to back up to come with some numbers or a way you're going to solve this problem. Tesla, for reasons that aren't totally clear, maybe because Gwen Shotwell is the president of SpaceX. And she's an amazing executive. Um, and Tesla has never had quite that person, but you know, you're the, the firing line has been, has been more volatile at, at Tesla over the years.
1: Um, you mentioned his orbit. It, it seems like it's a, uh, he's a solo show. It doesn't, I can't, you mentioned Gwen Shotwell, who, who seems to be a competent executive working for him at SpaceX. Does he have an inner circle of people he relies on for counsel? Does he have mentors or is he off on his own?
0: At the end of the day it's always elon's gonna believe in elon and and he, he's gonna drive things forward as he sees fit he definitely has an inner circle of particularly people who have been on the boards of both spacex and tesla people like steve jervison uh antonio gracias from valor these these are uh bill lee who's an investor these are confidants who have been by elon's side before people gave a crap about elon really and uh and and you can tell they're loyal to him and, and have his ear. You could see from the all those <laughs> cell phone records that got released <laughs> when, when Elon was trying to acquire Twitter that, you know, it's a bit of a crapshoot, man. Even, even among these, you know, the brain trust people are just lobbing ideas, some of them ridiculous, some of them maybe decent. They were lobbing Elon's...
1: ideas. There's no, and again, you don't know how much of the, text messages we're seeing right so it's a, it's a limited selection but there's no one in there saying hey this doesn't sound like a good idea are you sure you want no. to do this are there people in his world who might say i think you got this one wrong
0: yeah probably not i mean <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think there are engineers on technical things who will come to him and say we shouldn't do it this way and and at their risk, you know, but I think on this business side what we saw was just a lot of yes people who who were uh maybe not telling him what to hear but they're trying to get their their point of view across in a very in a very uh friendly friendly way. I do think they try to save him from some of his worst instincts sometimes but but definitely not in the the hard talk
1: kind of way before we get to the present tense again i want to ask about the book because my understanding is you sort of started reporting this book without his cooperation eventually he agreed to talk to you and then at some point i think decided he didn't want to participate in the book tell me tell me the story of your your book
0: yeah, you know, I'd been reporting on him a little bit um, for Business Week magazine and, and it really enjoyed my interviews with Elon and we sort of had a rapport. You liked him, right? Uh, yeah, I liked him. You know, I I loved Tesla and SpaceX and I, I found Elon refreshing that he didn't have PR people around him, that he actually answered questions without like marketing speak and all it's that stuff. It's a journalist um, dream. Yeah, you know, and so when I saw the factories and, and added that up, I thought, wow, this is this is a this is a really fascinating guy. I, I, I'm in. And then, uh, you know, so we got along well enough, but he did not want me to write the book. He told me he was going to do everything in his power to stop it. At one point, you know, he kind of hired a ghostwriter or two to try to like race me to to sort of beat beat me with a book, um, which didn't come to fruition. Was there something and in particular
1: I, he think, you think he didn't want you to write about, or he just didn't want something that he didn't control?
0: Yeah, I think it was a control issue first and foremost. He was just used to controlling everything, and um, you know, I think he had also said no to people in the past, and sort of. I think actually, some part of him sort of felt bad, you know, that that now somebody else was going to go do this. Um, and he knew me okay, but he didn't really know me, and so I'm sure it was frightening, you know. And uh, so I I spent really like two years interviewing hundreds of people, many of whom would obviously call back to Elon and let him know what i was doing not that it was like a secret but uh i think you know he called me at my house one day and just said look i've gotten so many freaking phone calls from people you're you know the way he put it was you're obviously thorough in what you're doing i respect that let's uh let's talk about me maybe doing interviews for the book and um you know at first he wanted to be able to read the book he wanted to be able to put footnotes mm-hmm. in the book all stuff I wasn't going to agree to so um we we reached a deal where it would just be like any other journalistic endeavor I was just going to write the book and he was going he was going to have to read it when it came out
1: and his reaction to the book
0: well <laughs> that's complicated too. You know, I, 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 sent him like the electronic version. I actually sent it to him a couple days before it came out. So he could be the first person to see it. It seemed like the fair thing to do. Um, and, uh, I not a lot of pushback after that, you know, he, he I woke up to this flurry of emails. He'd been going kind of page by page, but nothing, nothing too bad. He's so, he said, I, I got something wrong where, he and his brother Kimball had driven across the country in this beat up car. And I said Kimball had paid for it, but Elon insisted that he'd paid for it. You know, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing uh, too bad. And then, you know, I remember, I think it was the Washington Post did something like the 27 most you know, like salacious things from the Elon Musk biography. And that, for whatever reason, it was kind of like a two-day run of peace, and then all hell broke loose, and and he was furious. And uh, yeah,
1: as we all know now, um, Walter Isaacson, uh, the journalist, has has been uh, shadowing him to to write a biography. He's the guy who did the Steve Jobs book, also with Steve Jobs' participation. And then after after the book came out, Steve Jobs' estate and friends and family were very upset with him. Do you think it's a coincidence that 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 Musk is working with Isaacson this time around? For an authorized biography?
0: Well, I don't know if coincidence is the right word. Yeah, I'm sure Elon sort of sees himself in that Steve Jobs <laughs> vein and is flattered by by that idea. I find it, I'm sure Walter will do a good job. You know, it's a little funny because Elon's like railing against the mainstream press all the time and has, you know, this guy who's a very mainstream biographer. He's the avatar of the, of the
1: mainstream press, yeah.
0: Right, he does the biggest, you know, biographies there are. I don't know based on Elon and I are talking again now, but we had a quite a number of years where we did not, and uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know why Elon thinks this experience is mm-hmm. going to be that much better for him. We'll see.
1: So you're talking now. Um, you see that he's a, a go back to last spring. He's accumulating a stake in in Twitter. For a minute, he says, I'm I'm just a passive investor. I'm not doing anything. Did, did you, were you surprised that he was buying up shares of Twitter? And did you think he was going to eventually want to own Twitter himself?
0: I was really surprised. I'm still surprised. This just seems so opposite of like everything he's been interested in and has stood for for the last 20 years or so. It seems like a, a massive distraction. My working assumption, you know, is just that he's, obviously something of a Twitter addict. He enjoys the service. I think he wanted to like exert a little more control over it. And, you know, I fully believe he joined the Twitter board. They sort of said, Hey, we'd love to have you, but you got to kind of tamp things down mm-hmm. a little bit. And Elon's like, well, that's not really <laughs> what, what I do. i why don't I just buy this company? <laughs>
1: Right. And that's, again, you can sort of see that in the exchanges. Um, I'm very surprised that he is struggling with advertisers as much as he is because, and we haven't really talked about that much on in this interview, he can be a very charming person. You mentioned initially he was a door-to-door sales, writer, um knows how to persuade people to do things. The advertisers I've talked to have talked with him either in person or in Zoom. So, yeah, no, he sounds fine in person. It's his behavior when he's not talking to us that we're worried about. I'm surprised that he isn't able to sort of put that together and go, if I could just tamp it down for six months or whatever, I just need this ad money to get me through this next hump before I can invent this subscription service. Are you surprised that he's unable to comport himself in a way that won't cause his advertisers to flee? I think he's
0: battling with him, his own self. It's sort of like I talked about earlier. I just, I think now that the full Elon is out in the world, there's just no reining it back in and he kind of can't control himself on some of that. I mean, I think my reaction mostly so far is that kind of everybody is embarrassing themselves (laughs) in these first two weeks, you know, Elon is the Twitter employees are, I think the, the media and sort of the punditry class on Twitter. I I think it's this gross overreaction. There's obviously look, there's been these crazy layoffs, Elon saying crazy things. My belief is twitter ends up looking a lot like it always has as time goes on and and elon sort of tries different things i think the central battle he faces right now is that he wants twitter to be sort of separate from his personality Mm -hmm. and for people to judge it that way and he doesn't seem to get that that's that's, like, impossible. And, you know, the only way maybe that works is if somebody else is CEO of the company and he's not talking about Twitter on a day-to-day basis. But he just doesn't seem to get that that this is all intertwined. At
1: yeah, point. in a call last week, they asked him, he said, no, there should be Twitter, Elon the Twitter user and Elon the Twitter owner, and they're different. And a week before, he got the same question in a more private setting, and he said, yeah, it's kind of hard to see where I... Me as the owner and me as the user, and he uh, ends and he kind of seems cognizant of it. Um, it's still surprising. I mean, I do think that you know it's not really fair to 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 critique the Twitter employees or even users because they're seeing either their livelihood or a thing they really care about um, really threatened. I I think that that stuff's hard.
0: It, yes, I think, but I also th- I mean it's crazy, right? So there's there's like Twitter employees just slagging Elon off and maybe they've already decided they're going to leave the company. But this is a weird time. I mean, you know, if I go up and just start bagging on Michael Blue. <laughs> Bloomberg on Twitter, I would not expect right. to be around no, so that's So you're
1: referencing something that happened over the weekend and this morning, which is Elon was complaining about something or saying, you know, there's something bad has happened. I'm sorry about some bad performance we have. It's for this reason and multiple employees. So that's not true. And uh, one of them, uh, Elon said, was fired uh, today. Uh, but it does, I mean, and again, Twitter is a weird beast and people complaining about Twitter is kind of a prime use for Twitter. I, I do think the derision that Elon has for, and again, this isn't a company that he built, it's a company that he acquired, for the people who work there is shockingly evident that, that you know, you fire half the staff in a week, you clearly didn't think much about who you were firing. Um, and it seems very clear to me that he believes that most people at Twitter shouldn't be employed there, that engineers are the only really important people for the most part. And that most of the engineers at Twitter shouldn't work there because if they were any good, they wouldn't be at Twitter. And so it's natural to me, if if the owner comes in and takes a dump on you, you might want to throw some poo back on him.
0: Yeah. Well, and like you said, I mean, maybe this is just part of Twitter is, we air our things out on Twitter. That's what that's what we do. I, this whole thing is just like dysfunction on top of dysfunction. You know, this is a company that like, I mean, we ran a cover story, I think like seven or eight years ago. It's like the company that can't kill itself no matter how much it tries. Somehow it like cannot make money despite having free contents and 400 million users you know so i i like there's part of me that definitely gets he's like coming in and something's wrong i'm gonna fix it the he runs into these big problems where where he he kind of thinks he knows all the ins and outs of this business and this this service and and doesn't yet (laughs) is there a
1: version of elon where he looks around after some period of time and says this is a ton of money and I've I've lost a lot of money. Um, I'm not gonna get it all back, but let me say see what I can salvage. And it's a ton of my time, and I really do wanna get to Mars, and I really do want to work on the stuff at Tesla. I just need someone to take this off my hands where he either finds someone to run it for him or sells it to an investor group and says, All right, you know what, you can't win them all if I fuck this one up. Is that possible?
0: It's like it's it's very hard for me to imagine any sort of scenario where he takes a loss on this thing publicly because that's just, I don't think Elon's ever going to admit something like that or, or let it be out there um, in that way. I kind of like hope to God for everybody that he gets a CEO to run this company. You know, I think it's a huge distraction for him. I think it's just like driving everybody crazy. I I think it would be definitely the healthier, but you don't think he's giving it up.
1: He never, he never says, look, I I made a run at it. This, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a $20 billion loss and sell it to someone for X amount of money.
0: There's just this one thing about him that I know to be true, which is that he's the most relentless human being probably on the planet. And I just cannot see him giving up on something like something, especially something as public as this.
1: That makes sense. Ashley Vance, what are you working on these days?
0: well i have uh doing my usual thing at bloomberg i got a tv show called hello world people should check it out but uh i just finished a new book called when the heavens went on sale which is is sort of about the commercial space race and and the capitalists coming to space and and the good and the bad and the hilarity that comes with that
1: (laughs) um well thank you for taking time while you're doing all that to talk to me in the audience
0: thank you so much
1: thanks ashley Thanks again to Ashley Vance. Thanks again to Travis and Jelani for putting this one together on short notice. Thanks to our sponsors who bring it to you for free. This is a bonus episode of Recode Media. Got another one coming in a couple of days. See you soon.